to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to this service of worship on the Lord's Day. My name is Reverend Carol Clark and I have been with you before and so I was really glad to be back with you again for this Sunday. Um, I really love following First Presbyterian Church here in Fort Smith to see all of the many things that you have happening like your um, solar initiatives and all of the ministry that you're doing within the community and I'm always delighted to be here for your music because I find it very special and the handbells are playing today and that is wonderful as well. Um, I have one announcement um, and that is next Sunday, that's October 30th, there's a big potluck and I understand you're all going to be wearing costumes and I wish I could be here with you for that. Um, I have a great Raggedy Ann costume myself, and I'm sorry I can't be a part of that with you, but I am glad to be here, and we use this time to prepare our hearts for worship.
call to worship. We do this each week. The call to worship is intended to invite us out of ourselves and call us to the place of God's own heart. The call to worship invites us to praise a living God, a God who does not leave or forsake us, a God who is with us always, the God who is the creator. And Psalm 65 reflects that as we read this passage. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide the people with grain, for you have so prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing with joy. Let us pray. Gracious God, your creation is amazing. With hills that sing and all the joy that is around us every day, every morning, every night, when we gaze at the work of your hands. Send your spirit to create in us an eagerness to hear your word. Send your spirit to teach us how to praise and praise with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. In the name of Christ, amen. Our opening hymn, you will need your bulletin if you wish to sing along with it. It's printed for you in the bulletin. I invite you to stand to be strong in the Lord.
professor said to us once that the main thing that we have to confess is our forgetfulness. We forget the strength of the Lord. We forget that the Lord is with us. We forget that the guidance that we have and is offered is with us always. So let us confess to God using this prayer of confession. Let us pray. Holy God, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Today we pray for your grace and mercy in our lives. Help us to acknowledge the areas of our lives in which we need to change. Transform our hearts and minds that we might be your ever humbler servants. Challenge us to grow in our faith and devotion. We know we are in need of your strength and power as we seek to live out our faith in this world. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear this good news. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Friends, believe and live out of this great good news. In Jesus Christ, we are loved and forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Gracious God, we once again drink deeply of the power of your Holy Spirit and ask for its touch as we turn to ancient words, but words that are familiar, and ask and seek that you would spring these into new life in our hearts so that we do not leave this place unchanged after hearing your word in Scripture. In Christ's name, amen. In the day one worship this morning, I started us off by saying that um, I taught primary school education in the public schools for 14 years before I was a teach, uh, before I was a preacher, I was a teacher. And I learned there from some of those education courses I took that it is a good idea to make a set for people to kind of get everybody's head turned in the same direction so I wanted, what I did this morning in the day one worship was I showed a little video clip, which I can't do here, but I did want to ask and see if any of you have seen the movie Finding Nemo, the animated movie Finding Nemo. It's really one of my favorites. I love it very much. And there is a little dory fish who is trying to encourage little Nemo who's about to give up when something happens. And what Dory says famously throughout the movie is, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. 
And that is your set for this time that we have together. I understand you've been doing a series on cardinal virtues, and I'm right here at the tail end of it for the very last one, which is diligence. The definition of diligence is careful persistence. Another way of saying that is just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Now, if you remember in your life a wonderful mentor, a coach, a pastor, a teacher, someone that led and guided you in your life, that's the relationship we have between Paul and young Timothy. Timothy was a young man. Paul had taken him under his wing. He knew his mother, Lois, and grandmother Eunice, and he was very fond of this young man. He also grew to trust Timothy because he sent him out as a troublemaker into the churches. And the, past, the, the part of the letter that we're going to read together very much suggests to us, as you will hear, that this is near the end of Paul's life. In the corpus of, of Timothy, there is the most poignant, poignant piece of writing from Paul, who writes to Timothy and says, Bring my cloak when you come. Try to come before winter. And you can hear in that this ache that his life is drawing to a close and he needs some warmth in his life. Paul writes to Timothy to encourage him to keep swimming. And we're going to listen to 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Listen for a word from God. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires. That word itching ears, that expression is only used once in scripture and it's used right here. And one of the things I read said is there are people who don't want to, they want to have their ears massaged instead of having a challenging Message and he uses that expression, itching ears. How are your ears today? Hope they're doing all right. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Carry out your ministry fully. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have a friend 
who served as a chaplain at Somerville Presbyterian Home for a while. And she, of course, met the residents and did uh, worship services and funerals, but she became especially fond of a woman I'll call Mrs. Ross. Mrs. Ross was a remarkable woman. She was a woman Army Corps veteran. She had also been a pharmacist in her life. They had had she had helped raise a family along with her husband. They had had tragedy in their life. They had lost a son at a tragically young age. Ms. Ross, by the time my friend met her, had already lost her husband and had moved into the retirement home. And my friend loved to go see her because they would have tea together. And Mrs. Ross would bustle about. He had arthritis and some heart problems, but she still was going to serve her tea a different kind each time she came. Brought out the beautiful little china cups with the roses on them and brought out a little sweet cookie and made the tea for her. When my friend was coming to the very end of her time with Mrs. Ross, she went for kind of one last visit and she asked Mrs. Ross, she said to Mrs. Ross, you know, I admire you so much. You have learned how to live and how to, and, and how to be joyful in the midst of all the things that have happened to you. Would you tell me your one rule for life or, or your rules for life? And Mrs. Ross looked at her and then she thought, well, and started to speak, but the tea kettle whistle went off, so she went into the kitchen to get the tea ready to bring back. And my friend sat there and thought, oh, I wonder what it's going to be, her rule for life. What will it be? Maybe it'll be like Solomon at the end of his life who said, the end of all duty is this, to fear God and keep God's commandments, for such is the chief duty of everyone. Or maybe, maybe it'll be like Julian of Norwich who said this comforting thing, and all shall be well and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Or maybe, maybe she's going to look at me and say, When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high. Maybe it'll be something wonderful like that. Miss Ross comes back, pours the tea, and my friend says, Now tell me, tell me what is your rule for life. And Mrs. Ross said, Get up. Get up. And my friend was thinking to herself, that's it? Get up? But that is what her rule was. That's how she'd made it through life. And that is the language that Paul is using when he's talking to young Timothy about his ministry and his mission. Get up. Persist. Be diligent in what you are doing. Continue in what you have learned because what you have learned is important. Rebuke. Encourage. Carry out your ministry fully. Keep pressing on. Press on, he says, on and on. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or not. I don't care whether you're shipwrecked. I don't care whether you're beaten up. I don't care whether your best friend has stabbed you in the back. You persist. In the matters of faith, that was the language that Paul was using for young Timothy to encourage him in his ministry. Just keep on swimming, swimming, swimming. He even uses sports language here, if you noticed. There at the end when he's writing about himself, he says, fight the good fight, 
run the race that is set before you. And it's so interesting that our cultures that we think are really different are not that much different sometimes because in the Roman Empire they were really big into sports and they loved their sports heroes. In fact, the Emperor Cicero complained one time that the people that they loved the most were these sports heroes that would come into the city and they'd have big parades and shout and yell for them, but not the emperor so much, you know? But one of the names, if I can, I have to look at it because it's so long, but his name was Lucius. He was a great wrestler, maybe a gladiator. Lucius Septimus Flavianus Flavillianus. And I understand that he failed first grade because he never could learn to spell his name. But he was one of those characters. So Paul is using language from their culture to say, go on, move on. You know, I thought about this this week, that we are persistent and diligent in very many things in our lives. Sports. Um, Simone Biles, you remember, great Olympian practiced five days a week, six hours a day, weight training, circuit training, gymnastics training, on and on. She ate beautifully, perfectly, to fuel her body the way that it needed to. You remember Larry Bird, some of you? Great basketball player, 86% free throw shooter or something. They asked him about it one time and he said, well, you know, some people tell me they shoot 100 free throws a week. I shoot 1,000 free throws a week, persistence. Jenny said this morning she practiced it occasionally. She practices and plays a lot and has persisted to make her music so beautiful. That's the way it is. Aren't there places in all of our lives that we persist at it because it is important to us? And so we are asked the question today, just for a second, is it not true that maybe in our lives of faith we may not be quite as persistent Paul says read the scriptures get with a community get with um, in prayer that we come together to be persistent in becoming more and more immersed in God and in the power of the Holy Scriptures to teach us so that's it that's what y'all were supposed to do. Just get out there, rebuke, encourage, equip yourself for ministry, continue, keep working at it, keep working at it. That's it, that's, you know, that's it. Y'all good? Gonna get out there in the world and go, get up in the morning. And here we stop for just a minute and we recognize the, the problem that there is with advice giving. A lot of times we don't like to take it. We have had a lot of advice given to us in our lives and the problem with giving so much advice or receiving so much advice is not usually that we didn't know what we were supposed to do. It is that we're searching around for where the power to do it comes from. Had a seminary professor who said to us as preachers, they don't really need you to tell them what to do. They need for you to tell them where the power to do it comes from. 
And I think that is absolutely true, what we have to remind each other of all the time. Where does the power to live the way we know we're supposed to live come from? And of course the answer is it comes from running to Jesus Christ in scripture, in community, in prayer, running to that one, getting up, if you will, and going to the one and Jesus Christ. And Paul does not neglect to tell Timothy some of the ways that that is true. If you go home today and read through these two letters of Paul to Timothy, you will see words of wonderful encouragement, and I don't want to leave one out. He says marvelous things, that the scriptures are able, the scriptures are able to help us as we live. Oh, one place he says this, God did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of self-discipline. That's what God gives us. I wish you'd say this after me. God did not give me a spirit of fear. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, spirit of, of love, and of self-discipline. You have everything that you need to make it through the next week. You have everything that you need to live more deeply in line with what you understand God is calling you to. He says, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy call. I know the one in whom I have put my trust and I am sure that he is able to guard and to help me. The Lord stood by me and gave me strength. The Lord rescued me from them all. That's who you are, someone who lives with the knowledge of this kind of grace in your life. The Lord stood by me and gave me strength. And so we continue to go to this one named Jesus Christ. That is the place that we get our strength, like that beautiful opening hymn that we had today about the strength of God with us. My husband and I have, have shared uh, one dog together in the time that we've been married for the 30 years. The little fella came to us one day from a barbecue house, our friends, uh, came and they brought us barbecue and along with them they brought to us a little puppy that had been abandoned at the barbecue house. And of course I fell in love immediately, my husband not so much, but I fell in love immediately and I said, oh, can we please keep him? And finally my husband reluctantly said, okay, he likes dogs, he just wasn't sure it was the right time in our life for this. And we did have him for 14 years People would ask me from time to time what kind of dog he was, and I would say, he's a brown dog. And they would say, no, I mean, what kind of dog is he? And I said, brown. One old southern gentleman said to me one time, he said, well, I believe he's got a little Rhodesian ridge back in him. And I said, no, no, he's brown, because <laughs> he was a brown dog, but we loved him. And he became a parable for me in one way. Because Buster, we were so creative, weren't we? Buster 
found a safe step in our home. It was on the landing to the second floor. It was not the first step or the third step. It was the second step. And when Buster got scared, he ran to those steps. He sat not on the first step, not on the third step, but on the second step. And he chewed the carpet on that step, unfortunately. But if a thunderstorm came, where is Buster? Second step, not the first step, not the third step, second step. If I held up the dog shampoo, vroom, there he goes. He is on the second step, his safe step. If I held up the heartworm medicine, Buster, where? Second step, not the first, not the third. He knew enough to go to the place of safety. That's what Paul said to Timothy. That's what Paul says to us. Know enough to go to your safe step, the one named Jesus Christ. That's the best rule of life I know. Get up and go to the one named Jesus Christ. And I pray that would be so in each and every one of your lives, not just today, but every day. Let us pray. Gracious and loving, powerful, creative, amazing God, we come to you now with the prayers of our hearts and the prayers of this community and the prayers of the world because it is possible as we contemplate those things that we falter in faith. There's much sadness in the world, much grief, much illness, much struggle. Where can we go but to you to give us the strength and courage and resilience that we need to live the way that we want to live, to even face what might be coming towards us in the week ahead of us? We don't forget that there are people even in this community who are on a prayer list who find themselves in special need and we remember them. Help us remember them in the week ahead. Help us remember them with a card or a call or a visit. We think about the world, the people recovering from flood and disaster. We think about the people in the Ukraine. We cannot imagine how much they are in need of grace, help, courage, and strength. Pour out your blessing on this church here, on their staff, on Tasha and Phil, on the ministries and mission that they undertake here together and fill them up with holy fire and spirit and energy and strength to do the work you call them to do here in Fort Smith. And we pray all these prayers strong in the name of Jesus Christ who gathered his disciples together and taught them to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
gracious and loving God, accept the gifts that we bring to you. And with the gifts that we give of our time and talents and financial resources to the life and heart of the church, we also yet again offer our lives to be used in your service. So pour out your blessing upon the gifts and our lives. In the name of Christ, amen. Our closing hymn is, It Is Well With My Soul.
And if it is well with your soul, tell someone why this week. Invite them to find a safe place in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now to God, who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, to God be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ, and the rich blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, be with you all now and forever. Amen.